welcome everybody to the Legal Technology Review Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brian Folk, civil litigator and author of the Cyber Advocate blog. Uh, before we uh, get to our interview today, I want to remind everybody to go ahead and head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. Uh, you'd be amazed how much that can really help us out with those crazy iTunes people. Today, we're going to be, well, along those lines, talking a bit about the digital world. We're going to be talking about marketing your law firm online and all the wonderful idiosyncrasies that go along with that. Our guest today is Mr. Jason Marsh. Jason, thank you for joining us. Hey, Brian. Thanks a lot for having me. Jason, your company, Marsh 8, what do you guys do? So we focus pretty exclusively on internet marketing services. And I started the company back in 2008. It was interesting because it was more of a bright. I'd I'd been, I was living in New York City at the time and had been for a while. And I'd come from, you know, advertising in the city, worked my way up in that industry, more in traditional media, TV, print, radio type of stuff. So when I started the business in 08, that was really what I thought I was going to be doing. And it wasn't until I realized, well, it's hard to land a client that has a budget for doing TV commercials and, and, you know, those type of big media things. But what I was getting was a lot of people saying, do you know how to build a website or do you know anything about SEO? Can you run this pay-per-click campaign? And so early on, you just go, yeah, yeah, okay, and you figure it out. So now I work with a lot of smaller businesses, uh, law firms uh, specifically, a lot of of, uh, cosmetic uh, doctors as well. So internet marketing. Improving internet marketing is, is definitely a goal of most companies, but let's, uh, let's start at, you know, at least briefly at the basics. What is internet marketing and what makes it different from traditional marketing? Well, so the biggest thing is, you know, traditional marketing, if, if you were to, I guess, identify it in that way is, you know, once upon a time, if you identified who your audience was, who you wanted to reach, your options were television, print, radio, and that wasn't particularly cheap, and it wasn't particularly targeted either. So, uh, yeah, as the internet has grown over the last, I don't even where we're about twenty years into it now. Uh, the nice thing about internet marketing is you can focus on a very specific area uh, in terms of an audience that you want to identify, and then you have the ability to run campaigns and actually track the performance of those campaigns. Like you may have heard the saying, uh, and this comes from advertising, and it's been attributed to some different people. But the idea that I know my advertising is, or I know I'm wasting half of my advertising budget. I just don't know which half. Internet marketing, because it's a more direct response type of medium, in other words, driving people to take a specific action, you can more carefully measure uh, the, the, the results of your work. I mean, that, and that's a, that's a great place to start. Is that what, in your mind, makes it so important for small businesses to use to, to get the most out of internet marketing? Yeah, so the, I think the, the, the biggest takeaway you know, for internet marketing for a smaller business is, you know, number one, the barrier to entry is pretty much whatever you can afford to invest in it. Um, but then the second part is that you get a much clearer picture of what type of results, in other words, how many customers, clients, what type of revenue are generating for the dollars you put in. You have a very clear picture of that because you can track very carefully what you're doing. Now, some of the challenges understanding what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to do it and so forth. Uh, you know, there's some challenges there if you're not familiar with internet marketing. Now, the term internet marketing is probably about as specific as the term non-internet marketing in, yeah. in describing all the uh, different options available. But I think that one of the ways I've best heard internet marketing broken down is into the categories of owned, paid, and earned. Is that a, a set of categories that you that you use regularly? 
Yeah, the ones that I generally re- will use are uh, the, I put them in the two buckets, basically organic and paid. In other words, if you want to run a campaign, you can do something organic, which is develop content and just and that's where you're going to get into your owned and earned type of uh, area, and then paid, where you can very in a very traditional sense identify uh, a channel and pay for placements that'll gain your business visibility. So I generally just to just to try to simplify even further, it's, it's organic and paid. So the organic side, I would generally say that's you know, search engine optimization, content strategy, email marketing, uh, and then social media. And then on the paid side, you have pay per click like Google, you know, Google AdWords. You have display advertising, which includes remarketing. And then also now there's a lot of social media paid placements and advertising. But generally, put them in those two categories. It's interesting, and I've always kind of felt that there's an, a strange crossover between all this. Most people, or most law firms, I think, would think of internet marketing, and the first thing they would think of is a website. Do you yeah. think of a website itself as marketing, or is it more of a springboard? I think of it as a foundational piece. So I think yeah, in its rawest sense, yeah, it's, it's certainly a marketing piece, but a website without doing anything to promote it in some way is probably not going to go very far. Um, but that, that there is a caveat to that in the sense that some people maybe aren't necessarily trying to market themselves, do any type of outbound marketing or even inbound marketing for that matter. But when they get a client referral, they want to have something that's very uh, polished and professional looking. So that, you know, that, that referral will go and do a little bit of research and be impressed with what they see, no different than if they come visit your office you want to have a nice looking office that makes your firm uh, present it in the best possible light. So I think you know, that's the caveat. But but a little, but but if you're doing if you're looking to do new client acquisition online and you're not doing some form of marketing to promote that site, then it's probably not going to generate a lot of new business for you. Now, let's start with uh, some of those organic things you discussed. And one thing that I think that most people who are active online have at least heard of, but most people who are not active in actually promoting content online may know nothing about. Talk to me about search engine optimization. So search engine optimization is what I would put on the organic side of things. And that's the idea that um, we'll talk, I'll, I'll give a general overview on maybe how to do it, but just the idea that when someone goes to Google and types in a particular topic, so uh, for you know, the particular type of lawyer that they're looking for, and this is you know not a far cry from what the Yellow Pages once upon a time was, go to the Yellow Pages looking for a specific type of business to service the need that you have. So you go to Google and you type in divorce lawyer, Orlando, for example, and Google's going to organically rank a whole bunch of sites. So there's really two factors that I would say you, you have to be mindful of. One is relevancy and the other is authority. So when you think about what Google's job is, well, they go out and they crawl the, the the web trying to figure, you know, identify all these different sites are out there. So when somebody's typing in a, a topical search query, well, what sites on the web are relevant to that search query? And you know, conceivably, there's there's lots of sites relevant to a specific search query. So then the next task for, for Google or Bing is, is to then rank those sites in a particular order based on how authoritative their information is with respect to the search query. So those are the two things you have to be mindful of. So really, the, the, the first step in you know, search engine optimization is one to have a website, 
then to make it relevant to a specific topic, whatever that is, you do that by developing content around that topic and then, then building authority uh, to, to the site or, or building authority for that site so that you'll improve your ranking. Let's start briefly with relevancy because I think that's it's pretty self-explanatory, but I do know that it used to be a very common SEO tactic to essentially overload your content with keywords. And that was something that it made content seem a little bit strange to read. Is that still a, an effective strategy? No, not at all. So yeah, keyword stuffing, maybe maybe 10 years ago, um, maybe even a little bit more recent than that, that that was, yeah, that was a good strategy. In other words, okay, we want to show Google we're really about this particular topic. So we're going to type personal injury lawyer Atlanta 50 million times throughout the content in a way that was completely unnatural to the way anyone would ever write or anyone ever would want to read. So, so yeah, not only is that not an effective strategy, that's a strategy today that will very quickly get your site penalized uh, in what's known as Google's uh, Panda um, filter. So, yeah, Google caught up to that and realized that people were trying to use that keyword stuffing tactic as a way to artificially improve their relevancy and authority to a particular search query. So definitely don't recommend doing that. If your site's doing that, you probably want to change that. Yeah, it's, that's one of those things that makes it a little bit hard to read. New York Bankruptcy Lawyer is here to help you. If you have any questions, contact New York Bankruptcy Lawyer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. If you're no longer keyword stuffing, are keywords themselves still important? Sure, keywords are important because they're still a relevancy signal. So, um, but you want to use keywords in a natural way. And, and really, at this point, you know, I, what I would suggest to anyone don't don't even think about a specific keyword and try to put it anywhere. Just try to write naturally, but make sure that it's so. So, keywords are, are important in the sense of their ability to align a topic. Because really what, what Google is ultimately trying to do is when someone's typing in a particular keyword, right, that's how it works, they want to return the highest quality search results to the users in that, in that, you know, those first 10 spots. Because if Google does a bad job and you're clicking on pages going, oh, these, 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 these sites stink, they're not relevant to what I'm trying to find out, eventually people will stop using Google. So, so for them, it's in their interest to try to develop, deliver um, you know, relevant results and keywords are a piece of what identifies that relevancy. So I think about them in very general terms, but but don't get hung up on trying to load up keywords in particular places or a certain number of times. It's more about being natural, but but being very on topic about what you're writing about. Let's say you're writing anything from your attorney bio on a website to a blog post. Just say you've already met that whole relevancy idea. How do you impact authority? Yeah, so authority is the the much much trickier part of the equation. And and you know, in the past, I'm sure we've all heard about the the idea of link building. And before you mentioned earned media or earned links, and and that's really where it is. So in many ways, SEO has gotten much simpler in the last few years as Google's ability to understand what sites are about and how authoritative they are, um, as, as their ability to, uh, you know, to dissect you know, the various sites and what they're about uh, has improved over time. But in the past, people would build tons of links from all sorts of different sites. You could go to, you know, find a company in India for you know, a few bucks and build hundreds of links and stuff because that worked at the time. But ultimately, we all knew that that wasn't real, and it was only a matter of time before the algorithm would be able to catch up to that. And so really now it's about 
number one, you've got to create a high quality, uh, high quality website, high quality content. That's the foundation of everything, right? So, um, so if you're not doing that, that's the place to start. And that's typically for a lot of lawyers, uh, one of the things that they can do really well on their own without having to outsource. You know, they know a particular topic very well, write as much about it as you can and as much detail and substance as, as you can. So then the idea of authority is, so links are still very important, but it's the volume of links that Excite needs now is much less significant. It's more about the quality of links coming from other sites. And a good way to explain that is think of a link as a vote for a particular site. In order, if a site is linking to you, they must think the content on that site is somehow worthy and valuable to their own users and readers in some way. So the idea is to go out and earn links. So you want to, number one, create that great content and that great site and user experience. And then go find other people within the industry or within the practice area that are writing, that have blogs, and share that content with you. And that, that takes a lot of effort and time, but it's the idea of promoting your content, making more influencers aware of what you're doing in the hopes that over time they'll get to know you and be willing to link to your site as an authoritative resource. Google then picks up on those links and goes, okay, they're relevant to this topic, but they're also authoritative about this topic based on the links from other high-quality sites to the site. I always actually kind of like to think of it as uh, like in sports when you evaluate a team's record based on their respective strength of schedule. So you say that a team with nine wins, those nine wins are much more valuable if their strength of schedule is much higher than 11 wins by another team who played absolutely nobody. Yeah, no, I think that, that, that's a great way to look at it, and that's, and that's exactly how it works. So it's no longer the number of links, but the number of high-quality links. Now, you mentioned content, and I think we've actually done a pretty good job of discussing that. I want to ask you about email. Yeah. What role do you think that email has in, in marketing a small business like a law firm? Uh, can conceivably play an important role, but it depends on the nature of, of the practice. But uh, the, the idea of email, and, and this is really how you have to think of it, isn't, oh, I'm going to go collect a list from somewhere else, or I'm going to buy a list, or I'm going to take you know everybody in my email and just start blasting out. So it, it's really to think about, number one, you have to build a list on your own based on the idea that people will subscribe to your email list because of what they will get. And what they will get will be something that is of value to them, not a newsletter saying, here's, here's all about our firm. Let me tell you about us. It's understanding the idea of when someone goes on. So, so it's really the idea of, and I think this probably would work good where if you are a, maybe a divorce attorney or social security attorney where people go online and the thing they crave the most is information. So they're researching a specific topic based on a problem or some sort of issue that they're having in their life, but they may not be ready to hire an attorney just off the bat. They're still trying to gather information and figure out what the situation is, what questions they might want to ask when they're ready to talk to an attorney. So we call that upper funnel. So those people are maybe not ready to talk to us yet, but if we offer them something of value, maybe some sort of uh, a free report or free guide or something of information that they really care about, if you offer that to them in exchange for their email address and maybe their first name, 
you know, that's a, that's a fair trade-off. So they give you their information. They get their one-page or two-page guide with something of value. Now you have the opportunity to nurture that upper funnel prospect over time. And, you know, the time period can, can vary, but it's the idea of, oh, maybe in a few more days I'm going to follow up with a case study of, uh, you know, how these type of cases typically unfold, what the outcomes might look like. I'm going to follow up a couple of days after that, giving some people, uh, you know, a little bit of the background of, you know, what type of law we're doing and, and why we do it, type of clients we work with. But each email to that person is designed to slowly move them down that funnel so that when they are ready to make a, uh, you know, some sort of decision on who they're going to reach out to, that they feel comfortable. Okay, this person, I'm familiar with them. I trust them because they seem to know what they're talking about. Okay, I'll give them a shot. And, and that's that's the way I would recommend using email, but but not to send people, uh, and, and I get this every now and then, I subscribe to some email list, I get some email you know, from whoever it is saying happy 4th of July. It's like I can promise you, you know, if anybody's thinking of sending their email list, happy holidays, I can promise you they did not sign up for your email list for that email. Like, I don't want that. Send me something that I care about that's related to what the business that they're in. Yeah, especially given how your uh, how federal law requires such a prominently featured unsubscribe button. Yeah, totally. And you know, and some of those things, you wonder if they even work. You know, you're thinking like if I hit unsubscribe, then they're going to know I'm an active email account user. Oh, they're going to hit me even harder, put me on another list, and send me some other junk. So it's really the the idea of you know Seth Godin wrote the book Permission Marketing years ago, and that's the idea. Somebody's giving you permission to talk to them some more, so make it worth their time. Don't waste their time with stuff about you. Make it about them and what they want to know. And that's how you build trust and awareness over time using email. All right. We're talking internet marketing with uh, Jason Marsh. You're listening to the Legal Technology Review Podcast. You're listening to Legal Technology Review on the Cyber Advocate. Don't forget to follow all the latest on tools and technology for legal service professionals at www.thecyberadvocate.com. All right, we're back with Jason Marsh. And Jason, thank you again for joining us. I want to talk to you about this paid element. Sure. Tell me a little bit more about what you mean by paid internet marketing. Yeah, so paid is is very much similar to traditional advertising, except you're using internet channels. Probably the most, and essentially all you're doing is you're paying for a placement. So the, so the main channel people are familiar with with internet uh, for paid advertising is going to probably be Google AdWords, and that's a that's known as a, a pay per click channel. In other words, you advertise and you can target specific keywords. So before we were tar- talking about organic, so when you go to Google and you type in a specific thing, you know, there's going to be about well, there's going to be ten organic results. And then right above that, there's going to be three paid ones. And then along the side, there's going to be about eight or so. But those are paid placements. But they're targeting the specific keywords that people think their customers are are using to look for their services. And so you pay whenever someone clicks on that. There's other paid channels like display advertising. Those are the banners that run along the top and the sides of 
of various websites, whether you're on the New York Times or your local news site or even you know a small blog, uh, you may see those type of advertisings. And also now um, social media advertising, advertising in on Facebook or LinkedIn or even in Twitter, um, you're able to target people based on interests and geogra- geography and you know, a whole number of factors. But the big thing about paid advertising is the ability to target very specifically uh, the group of people that you want to reach. Like I said, that could be geographically with within the area that you want to, where you live or you work. Uh, maybe it's a, a specific neighborhood that has uh, a segment of the audience uh, or that you want to target, whether it's by income or you know, any other demographics. But you have the ability to really fine tune who's ultimately going to see those ads and then who clicks those ads, how many of those ads clicks turn into conversions, phone calls, et cetera, as a result of the dollars you're spending. So it's so it's the targeting and its ability to very precisely track the ROI. Now, when we're talking about targeting, and, and I understand the, uh, the basic use of keywords in advertising, there are some ethical uh, opinions that I would strongly suggest our listeners consult their local state bar about keywords, especially negative keywords. Uh, one of those Things where it's like you 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 see a really successful law firm, and so you use their name as a keyword to draw people who are looking for them to your firm. I know in North Carolina, uh, there is an ethics opinion on the books that says that is a violation of ethical conduct. It's not in most in many other states. They've ruled that it's maybe not a good thing, but not necessarily unethical. But beyond just keywords, what are you going to advertise using these type of pay per click? So, well, I think it's, you know, the first step is, you know, think about who you're ultimately trying to reach. And if you're a local business, we understand that, you know, nowadays people go online looking for various products and services, find information, identify, you know, the local plumber and lawyer, doctor, et cetera. So you want to understand where those people are, what it is that you're looking for. I think it's really important to specialize or, you know, I know you can't, you know, necessarily use that that word uh, ethically, but but to find a specific niche and focus on that. But then ultimately, somebody's going to type in that keyword. They're going to see an ad that you've decided you want to show up when that uh, keyword query is is typed in. And so you want to make sure that that ad is is compelling in some way that at least addresses the the thing that they're looking for. So there should be good alignment between the keyword that you're targeting, make sure the topic of the ad is addressing what that keyword is about, and then ultimately the page that people are going to go to when they click that ad uh, should also be very consistent with the keyword, the ad, so people are getting consistent messaging all the way through the user experience. And then ultimately trying to have some type of call to action on what you want those people to do once they've you know once once they've been on that landing page, whether it's to call the office, to subscribe to your mailing list by downloading a free report that has good information that they want. But that's that's the goal is run the ad, drive some type of conversion so that you can take the next steps with that prospect. Yeah, I've heard this, you know, from some people who say, I have a website, you know, people can get to my website. I've got great SEO and I spent I spent good money to make sure the website looks pretty and I spent a lot of money whether that's a logical or uh, good thing to do is you know beside the point spending a lot of money on SEO services but then they say why should I participate in paid advertising why is paid internet marketing important well so 
so, you know, I think when you look at it, it's not so much, a, you know, an SEO, an organic thing versus a paid thing. I think they both have their place. They're different tools in the toolbox. Uh, but one one difference is if you're just starting out running an SEO campaign, it's going to take it's going to take quite a while before your ranking, if ever, rises to the top of Google to the point where you're going to be able to get a significant amount of traffic to your site. On the paid side of things, the minute you start running that ad, you're immediately visible. People, you can immediately start driving traffic to your site. Um, the other benefit of paid is is as I touched on before, you can very precisely measure the return on investment with paid. So you can track, obviously, you know what you're spending, you know how many clicks you're getting, what those clicks are costing, and how many conversions those clicks are driving, and ultimately how much revenue uh, to the business that advertising is generating. So you can sit there and go, okay, for every dollar I'm spending in advertising, we're generating five in revenue, deduct, you know, cost of business, you know, maybe we're left with two or three bucks, well, we're getting a hundred to 200 percent return on our investment. You know, what other investment can you do? Where can you get that? You know, it's not going to be, uh, you know, investing in uh, Google stock. Well, and I think people also kind of, uh, especially a, a more risk-averse profession, more conservative profession like the law, look at something that's, say, paid and immediately kind of shrink back because they don't necessarily know that paid doesn't mean shelling out necessarily thousands and thousands of dollars. One of my favorite examples is I, you know, I will post uh, one of my blog posts to Facebook and thanks to their uh, algorithm, which at the end of the day, like Google, it's about making their customers, the viewers, happy. So you can't really criticize it too much, but I don't get any more than probably 40 or 50 organic views. If Even people who, who've liked my page won't see it. I put $5 in and I get 2,000 impressions in a, in a 24-hour period. It, you don't have to spend an arm and a leg. Yeah, well, that's, you know, on Facebook. Facebook uh, is, you know, they've, as you've seen, they've completely throttled back the organic reach of any posts for, uh, or you know, pages for businesses, organizations, et cetera. It's now a pay-to-play situation because they are a public company. They're trying to meet certain revenue goals. But at the same time, you point out it's not expensive. And yeah, and I'm sure when you do it, you realize there's a whole bunch of targeting options. You can target again geographically based on certain interests and so forth. So you can take a post that's essentially no one's going to see and all of a sudden get a couple thousand people to see it and engage with it for a very small amount of money. When you're talking to clients like law firms or other small businesses, how do you suggest they begin the uh, you know with paid advertising? Well, in most cases, I would say unless unless well, it depends what what venue they want to advertise in. So, I think Facebook is a little bit more user friendly if they want to give it a go on their own. Um, but it really starts with just the idea of understanding who your audience is and where are you likely to find them. So, yeah, Google, yeah, Google or Bing, but the the, the pay per click is is a fantastic venue. It's a great channel because you know it's it's very high intent. In other words, someone is going to type in this thing at that moment they're interested in it. I have an opportunity to show them an ad, but I'm also showing them an ad with ten other people, ten other organic listings. So um, so there's a competitive environment there. On the Facebook side, um, it's. Yeah, you know, you're advertising more generally, right? It's you know you can target people based on any number of factors, and you absolutely want to do that. 
Um, but the thing about it is when someone sees your ad, it's more of a branding type of thing where they get familiar with seeing your brand, whether it's you know a small business or a law firm, so that when they are in a, uh, in a moment of need or in a buying moment, um, either they can click that ad and you're not competing with 10 other pay-per-click uh, you know, listings and organic listings. You're the only one there, so they're not going to go right down some list clicking a bunch of links in Google. Um, but also it's, it's branding for the longer term, that when they're in need of that set of services, they may already remember you and go, oh, I'm just going to go to Google and type their specific name rather than a general search query. Um, on the AdWords side, I think you know that's a little bit tricky. If you're not familiar with it, you can end up spending a lot of money without getting a good return. So that's, I, I'd say that's generally an area you probably want to have you know someone helping you that that understands it, or at the very least, go spend some you know pick up a book or two and read it and learn how it works. And it's probably worth mentioning that I think lawyer and it's either lawyer and attorney or lawyer and law firm are two two of the seven most expensive keywords to buy on Google right now. Yeah, and so that's the thing. I mean, the, you know, lawyer. Yeah, whenever you look at any of the uh, you know the data that talks about um, you know who's doing the most advertising in Google, uh, you know, lawyers are typically you know have a couple spots in the top ten list. You know, whether it's you know, personal injury lawyer or something else. You know, and so there, you know, law- lawyers. You know, any whether it's attorneys or law firms is among the most competitive landscape in in all of internet marketing. Jason, I, I just want to say, I, I think I speak for a lot of people. We are begging you, internet marketing experts, to make those ads better. Make the make too too many too many lawyer ads. There are some good ones. Not the the uh, the, the legal talent one is probably some of my the, his are some of my favorite. The the guy who does the Alabama lawyer who did the, the Super Bowl ads. But man, some of those ads on Google for lawyer for lawyers and law firms are just terrible. Yeah, and I mean, we're talking about the pay-per-click ones, or I think the the I've seen. I mean, I've seen some pretty interesting, you know, videos on YouTube and <laughs> yeah. know, things yeah. like that, which uh, definitely are, are people doing a good job of of trying to make themselves memorable. I'm not sure if it's always, uh, you know, in the best possible light. <laughs> well, you know, and what what you mentioned actually is a is a good segue into what I want to talk about next, which is why you advertise and. I think that's one of the hardest things to understand is, all right, so you're going to advertise on TV, you're going to advertise on a billboard. The goal is to get someone to walk into your office. How do you work with law firms and small businesses in setting up goals that they can understand and measure to really understand whether they ha- are getting a good return on their investment on internet marketing? Yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, I think with any any ad, ad campaign and in, any industry, it's to have a very clear picture of what the goal of that campaign is and to set up some, you know, to identify, you know, what we call key performance indicators. But what are the, what are the very specific metrics we're going to look at to determine if that campaign is successful in meeting our goals? So the, I think there's really two categories of, marketing or advertising in general, one I would refer to as more of a branding type of approach, the other being direct response. Direct response being see the ad, call now, act now, do something right now. And Google pay-per-click is very good for that because as I mentioned, it's very high intent. Someone's looking for something right now, you know, the ad is going, you know, they're going to click an ad and they're going to go down whatever that funnel is. The branding is more like the billboard advertising. 
So, you know, the best way that I can describe branding is when Coca-Cola is advertising, you see a commercial or a billboard or something, they're, you know, in their mind, people aren't going to leap off the couch and go, I need to have a Coca-Cola right now. The idea is that when they're in that buying moment, when they're in that consideration moment, they'll remember, oh, I'm thirsty, maybe a Coca-Cola, or uh, they're in the supermarket, or they're, at, you know, at a restaurant, they know what to order um, because they're familiar with the brand, they trust it, there's a perceived value there that they wouldn't have for something that they've never otherwise heard of. So I think you've got to define, you know, what those goals are going to be. You're looking to build your firm's brand in a particular practice area, in a particular area, or are you looking to run a direct response campaign, in which case you know, you're going to want to see clicks, you're going to want to see traffic, you're going to want to see conversions. And those, and those conversions are ultimately going to need to produce a revenue number. And that revenue number better be quite a bit higher than the spend number. And then you can calculate all the intermediary metrics in between and figure out how do you tweak and improve each one of those you know, pieces in the funnel to get a better ROI. Okay. Do you, you just mentioned some of, those, some of those important metrics. Just talk about direct response. What are the most important metrics for lawyers and law firms and most small businesses in general to keep track of in their internet marketing if they're, if they're looking for the direct response? I mean, the most important one is ultimately going to be revenue and being able to tie it to a specific channel that you've invested in. Um, but you also want to look at the intermediary metrics because that's ultimately going to drive the ROI. So, so let's, just, let's just imagine we're going to run a uh, pay-per-click ad. So you know, the first thing we're going to be looking at is um, you know, how many clicks are we getting on that ad? What are the costs per click on that ad? How many clicks does it take to drive a conversion? You know, so what is our conversion rate? Out of 100 clicks, how many people call us or submit our form requesting more information or download our guide, but take, take a specific action that we would consider valuable towards moving uh, that client towards signing and ultimately being a source of revenue. Oh, I want to jump in real quick. You, you, yeah. you did mention there that you've got clicks, cost per clicks, and I, I'd imagine you know, even clicks per impressions would be important. Those are fairly static. Conversions, on the other hand, it's something that I think it's, it's, it's important to distinguish because conversions means something very different depending on what the goal of your campaign is. Conversion is getting someone from clicking to doing what you want them to do. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, and we talked about specifying what those things are. So let's just say the goal of the campaign is, is to make the phone ring. That's our conversion. So we're going to spend a certain amount of money to drive a certain number of clicks, which is ultimately people, human beings on the website. Ultimately, how many of those people call us? Okay, so that, so now we're at a point of acquisition. And it's like how many, you know, what is the cost when you do the math on this is what we spent, these are the number of calls that we received to acquire these opportunities. But there's still a couple more spots in the funnel. Now you've got to assess them. Not every call is going to be, uh, you know, an ideal client or even someone you may want to take. So, um, so that's okay. So that may be something you can improve in the campaign to try to optimize the campaign so you're generating better quality calls but then ultimately how many people sign so you've got say you've got you know 10 calls five of them sign what's the revenue produced from those five people that's really your end number that's that's the thing we want to know as a business that we invested x amount of dollars how many dollars did we generate as a result of that and you know, as we said before, there better be a positive ROI on that, or you need to do something different. You need to fix the campaign or potentially invest in a different channel. 
Okay, so what about branding? What what kind of metrics would be important if you were interested in branding? Yeah, so branding is a lot harder to measure, but one of the things that I would I would uh, I would rec you know so impressions are going to be a big one just to see you know an impression for for people that know is just is just an old advertising term for the number of times a person potentially will see your ad. So in internet marketing, the times number of times that ad actually shows on a page that's an impression. So that'll give you a very loose idea of how much reach you're getting. You know, did the ad show a thousand times, a hundred thousand times, a million times? Uh, so so that's one way. Um, the other thing is. Uh, one good way to try to measure that online is to start looking into your analytics and looking to see how many branded search queries that you're getting. And it's, it's a little, you know, you don't get quite as much of that information as you did at one time in Google because um, they don't pass the keywords along anymore. The privacy thing, but yeah, there's there's still a little bit of information there, and you can start to get a sense of, oh, you know, before you know we weren't getting many people that. You know, you, when you look in your key analytics and the keywords, all of a sudden you're seeing an increase in the number of people that were searching specifically for the business name or some variation of the business name and arriving at your website that way. That's how you can start to get a, get a sense. And then the and then and then after that, you know, you know, it's 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 simply the you know whoever's answering the phone or ultimately talking to the prospects. How did you hear about us? And that also can tell you a more anecdotal story because you've got to remember that. Um, a lot of times, when someone reaches your firm, they may have not. You know, they may have seen a billboard and typed. You know, they, they, there may have been many touches across many different channels by the time they reach you. But it's nice to try to get some of that information. And then ultimately, within branding, you're right back to what we were saying before: is you know, you know, you're wasting half your money. You just don't know which half. But branding's more about just creating higher awareness. It's tough to measure that. In the internet marketing sense, that's why internet marketing traditionally has been a very direct response medium. Well, and, and I tell you what, at some point I may actually just have to have you back, and we can talk about all the different ways that uh, small businesses can find and analyze those metrics. We're talking to Jason Marsh about internet marketing, and we'll be right back. Don't forget, you can. Subscribe to the Legal Technology Review on any of your favorite podcast apps or over at iTunes. Just search for Legal Technology Review or The Cyber Advocate. Also, don't forget you can get all the information on the latest tools and technology for legal service professionals at www.thecyberadvocate.com. All right, Jason. So one interesting thing that uh, you wrote in your in in the the email to me that when we were trying to set up this podcast, why don't you like social media? Well, I think I think if you most people don't use it properly, but you know I'm not. Yeah, I work with a lot of different small businesses, and I can't think of that many instances where they're acquiring uh, at any scale new customers. Okay, so you get a lot of people that are like, oh, you know, I want to use social media to grow my business, but ultimately, and, and they view social media as this magical and free channel in which uh, all of a sudden they're going to add lots of new clients and customers. So, so generally people don't have a good understanding of it and, and, and aren't willing to put in the work that's required. And, you know, we talked about content earlier. That's the way social media can work effectively for you. If you are producing really good content, social media is a channel in which you can distribute that content and get wider 
uh, wider visibility for it. And then, of course, you have the whole engagement factor where you can talk to people. But if you're not producing the content, forget social media. Social media is not a channel for you. You're not going to generate any business out of it. Just forget it. Put it out of your mind. You know, you're much better off focusing on, you know, the top couple of channels, which are ultimately going to be you know, SEO and, and paid advertising. But often I just tell people like, you know, or lawyers or even small businesses, you know, if you want to do something that you can do on your own without having to pay somebody, create lots of great content, content marketing, education marketing about your product and services, use social media to distribute it. But if you're not going to produce the content, forget it, pay somebody to do your marketing for you because you're never going to have a chance otherwise. And so social media, I think most people come in with, with the idea that it's this magical channel, but they're not willing to put in the work of actually creating the content that you're going to put in social media. Because again, I don't want to start seeing somebody in my feed. With some, you know, I'm not, it's very same as the email. If someone's clicked like on your Facebook page, they're giving you permission to share information with them. Don't send them, you know, happy. Fourth of July, everybody. Unless it's you know maybe unless you're a personal injury lawyer and you want to talk about you know how the, you know the rate of you know accidents may increase over the holiday weekend. But otherwise, forget it. I don't want to see that. You know, because if you if I start seeing too much of that in my feed, you're out of there. You know, it's over. You know, my permission has been revoked, and you're wasting your time. Yeah, I like to say that the biggest problem that most people who look at social media just as any other medium for advertising is that you're missing the fact the first word is social, and if you don't treat it like a conversation you're going to be ignored or rather you're going to gain a lot of attention but in a way you didn't want to. I've got a, this one this one personal injury lawyer's Twitter feed that I've used as an example of how not to use Twitter and uh, Sam Glover on The Lawyerist had just a great uh, analysis. It was like, would you really want to hear this? And you go up, to, go up to someone at a cocktail party, hey, how you doing? Have you been injured in an auto accident? Yeah, I mean... Um, no, uh, but uh, it's a great party. If you've suffered a catastrophic injury, please, it's, you've got a, it's a conversation. But, well, I want to ask you, uh, I get the, some of the fun questions. What, what, are your, what are some of the top excuses that you get from uh, lawyers and law firms for either the way that they choose to engage in Internet marketing or when they don't feel like Internet marketing is, is effective or successful? What kind of comments do you usually get? Um, let's see. I... Yeah, I'm not sure. I think I'm not sure I really hear a lot of excuses, but I think probably the people that I come across that, that don't really believe in it, either uh, don't necessarily understand it and haven't given it a chance, or they've had a bad experience with someone that made a lot of promises that they were never going to be able to deliver on. And, you know, in those cases, well, you know, the first kit person, yeah, maybe they just need to give it a chance. If they're not willing to do that, well, it's like anything else in life. You're not going to learn, you know, how great it is or, or, or otherwise. And then, uh, you know, for the people that have had a bad experience, and there's a lot of them out there, unfortunately, you can really understand how they have a, a really negative viewpoint on the process because, you know, frankly, they've probably been screwed over. Do you have a most ridiculous or weirdest thing that you've been had been asked to do or had suggested done to market on the Internet by a law firm? Yeah, I can't think of anything uh, too strange by a law firm, but I can tell you just over the years, what I get a lot is someone will say, hey, I, I just want to do something really simple. And then they explain what they want to do. And it's like they want to move mountains. 
So essentially, I think what happens, you know, I've learned this over the years, people stuff, I just want to do something real simple. I want, and then they this laundry list of like highly like customized like development work. And I'm thinking, are they just trying to set me up to say, hey, I want a whole lot of work here and I'm not looking to spend too much money. I'm going to try to convince you it's simple and, uh, and then I'm going to tell you what I really want. Yeah, it sounds like it's really simple. All you, you have a green screen and an animator on staff, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like, so, you know, I've gotten people that, you know, they, I mean, it's pretty funny. They'll say, I just want something simple. And then they, what they go on to, uh, to describe is, is anywhere, anything but. Is there anything, any tool, any software, any even concept or idea that is really exciting for you right now? Well, you know, I think what excites me the most now is what we were talking about from an SEO standpoint that I think, you know, for people who know how to do it, it's easier than it's ever been. And that number, you know, it's, it, I think that, so I'm excited because SEO, internet marketing is more competitive than ever, but a lot of these really spammy tactics that worked in the past and made it really difficult for, you know, businesses like mine was, oh, we talked to this guy who said he could do this and that. And what about this tactic? And all that stuff doesn't work anymore. And so now it's really just all about doing high quality stuff and in a way that makes a lot of sense. So in SEO, it's, you know, develop really great content and go out and promote it within your industry and with the influencers in that industry and you will rank and you will rank really well. All that other BS about, oh, go build links and things that nobody could even understand, that stuff doesn't work anymore. And I'm excited about that because I think that that just helps, you know, any good, you know, white hat, upstanding SEO uh, advocate do better work and work with, you know, better clients. It's kind of nice when someone asks you, well, how can you tell if someone's offering you shady tactics? You say, well, you don't necessarily know, but as soon as they tell you that they can get you the number one spot on a Google search, it's a pretty good indication that you should show them the door. I, have, I actually, I was, I, I really like that part is that now there's a very easy mark to identify someone. Like yeah. And, and the fact is, is like, you know, clients ask me all the time, can you get, get me to number one? And I, I'd say, you know, I'm not, can't guarantee you anything. I can show you what we've done and other circumstances uh, that are similar to yours and what that, that looks like. But even in your situation, um, you know, we're, I can tell you exactly what we're going to do. We're going to follow a set of best practices. And, um, but, you know, there's still an unknown factor there. And, you know, you can't, you know, you can't promise things that you don't know without certainty you can deliver. What is one thing that lawyers and law firms could start doing today, tomorrow, next week to best, imp- to, you know, to best improve their chances of having successful internet marketing? Just start writing. Just start writing good, high-quality content about the area that you service and think about it from the perspective of what your clients are trying to learn and better understand. It's not about writing about yourself and telling everyone how great you are, but really understanding and thinking about what would people go online, type of clients that I want, whatever their most ideal possible client is, think about what they go online trying to learn more about prior to uh, engaging an attorney and write about that. Write about it in great detail and make sure that it's really high quality. So, I mean, that's the number one thing you can do by yourself at some point. And and that can do wonders for your organic internet marketing without ever having to get help from anyone else. But then when you do get to the point where you are ready to get some, you know, a third party to consult with you, that's the raw material that they're going to need to make, you know, to, to, to continue to promote you. Jason Mars, thank you very much. We've been talking about internet marketing. 
a lot of really good tips. You can find out more about Jason's tips and about Jason himself on the Cyber Advocate. We'll do our shameless promotion that we you know, agreed to do in order to bribe you and lure you onto this podcast, sir. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. It's my pleasure. All right. You've been listening to the Legal Technology Review on the Cyber Advocate, and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.